One of the things that I did in our solitude and silence, asking for this year's guidance from the Spirit, was looking through my journal. And I found this interesting things. Wow, that God has really guided us uh, from day one. The, the, as we are beginning, you could think of it as a, you know, zero, year zero would be the inauguration service. Year one is a first anniversary and so on. 2008, our vision was transforming community. 2009, taste and see. 2010, thirsting after God. 2011, prayerful church. 2012, maturing church. 2013, exceeding joy in God. This is the way made my brother had diagnosed with PML. What a, what a paradoxical year that was. The most traumatic year, the church experienced exceeding joy. Um, loving our neighbor in 14, loving, uh, I'm sorry, 2015, returning to our first love. 2016, bearing fruit in fullness of joy. 2017, Last year was loving one another deeply, reflecting God's love for us. That was a little bit unusual. So we expect that we will have warm and fuzzy feelings to each other. Then in reality, what happened was, even through the retreat, we learned about partnership in the gospel. The beyond this warm, fuzzy feeling, what it means to align ourselves for the glory of God, for the cause of God, and that we will, in one mind, partner with each other. And that happened through the zoning issue as well. And then we were able to uh, support the 16 ministries. Most, most, most of them were um, intercultural ministries and overseas uh, through our missions missions month so some of you are perceptive already if you had a bulletin this morning and you go today's title of the sermon is taste and see year one 2009 was 2009 was taste and see is that a mistake no it is deliberate intentional we are actually repeating this theme, this focus, because uh, several reasons. But more than anything, we are going to deal with our spiritual amnesia. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, verse 2 says actually, forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Our default mode, even if we experience incredible miracle of God and God's favor for us, our default mode becomes forgetful. Spiritual amnesia is there. So what we want to do, we want to go back to the humble days. And then we want to ask the Holy Spirit to keep us hum humble, falling flat before the Holy God. That we, our churches, continually become God-centered. There is a gravity before God's holiness. 
And there is gladness at the same time because of joy in Christ, because of His grace. So, if you come to my living room, you will see this on the wall. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, about 11 years or close to 11 years ago, both Cindy, Kate, and I had a first prayer gathering in our backyard. The text that we meditated together was Psalm 34. It was just the perfect guidance of the Holy Spirit through that scripture. We were desperate. We were hungry and thirsty. That's actually key to the grace of God. And then this year, with all the incredible blessings and the facility expansion that we had, and then zoning, zoning issue being cleared, the people are experiencing blessings left and right. What we want to remember is this very guidance from the scripture. So in a simple statement, Crossway's vision, Jesus' spiritual direction for 2018 is to taste and see that the Lord is good indeed. In that, we're going to ask three questions. <coughs> taste and see what? What are we supposed to taste and see? Secondly, taste and see why. What's the reason? Thirdly, taste and see how. Yes, we want it. How do we taste and see that the Lord is good? As we read the scripture, the entire psalm, in your mind, look for that. Can I look for what and how and why? Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord 
lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of them, none of those who re take refuge in him will be condemned. This is reading of God's word. So let's begin with taste and see what. Scripture tip just simply says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you pay attention, the emphasis is not on the good, actually. The emphasis is on, on the Lord. Taste and see God. Not just things or gifts of God. So if you're Life is not going well. And if you have some kind of pain and worries and concerns, just make sure you get up in the middle of the night. This passage is for you as well. On the other hand, this, if you're having a just wonderful blessings and your finance is doing well and your kids are doing well, Taste and see is not the good things of God only. More, if you taste God, it will actually give you the vision, expanded, fuller vision of God. Delight in God as your end, chief end. Not as a means to God. So obviously, some of you are um, probably irritated by t televangelists who are preaching the pro prosperity gospel, wearing the bling blings and <laughs> you know, speaking nonsense about donating millions of dollars for his private jet. But if you are honest with us, even this morning, there's a spectrum of that mentality that God can be useful. If God has to heal my children, God has to make my brother well enough to 
be able to preach heartily, fluently, God has to take care of my children's developmental issues. Those of you who have kids who have autism, Asperger's. No, it's actually about God, taking delight in God. The American pragmatism, consumerism brought this evil that looks so good in Orange County. The substitute, counterfeit God that robs us from real, the person, the holy, the all joy. Do you believe that? God is not only sovereign, but God is also absolutely, consistently, eternally, beyond our imagination, good. The second thing is taste to see, to see the reality of God. I already mentioned this. If we taste and experience God, that we will experience the fuller vision of God. The misconception that we used to have because of our hang-ups, our, our disillusionments about church and some leaders and pain and suffering in our, in our lives, somehow we have this caricature of God who is not biblical God. If we become fuller and really biblical vision of God, we will experience that the Lord is good. So let's not substitute God with anything, even good things, even your good family, even the Bible study, even theologizing things, and including religious activities, as much as attending church, it was wonderful, good thing. You ought to, you should, you ought to go to church every Sunday, not once in a while. Right? You ought to serve for the poor and volunteer here and there, even in the cities. But let's not substitute God with that. I come across St. Augustine's. This is a first century writing. As you probably know, Augustine was not hungry for God deliberately from the beginning. He was actually chasing after his physical and fleshly lust. So he, he wasted his life. His, his mother would pray, pray for him. But after conversion, the true conversion, he wrote simply the, the book that as we know of is a confession. And he writes this. 
listen to the deep joy in his heart that belongs to you and me. He writes, how sweet all at once it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I had, I had once feared to lose. You drove them from me. You who are the true, the sovereign joy. You drove them from me and took their place. You who are sweeter than all pleasure, though not to flesh and blood. You who outshine all light, yet are hidden deeper than any secret in our hearts. You who surpass all honor, though not in the eyes of men who see all honor in themselves. O Lord, my God, my light, my wealth, and my salvation. When was the last time you uttered The Lord is so good. God, you are so, so good. Not because your circumstance is going well, but because you experience it. Second question is, Taste and see why. I already gave a lot away by just uh, hearing my voice. And, um, but let's spell some things out. Why? Because tasting God is better than any joy in this life. So without exaggerating, I'm... I'm uh, Poet at heart, so allow me to be expressive. Okay, this passage is not like this. If you read this way, it's totally wrong way of reading. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I think David's passion. Was arising. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The young lions suffer and want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's what he's saying. Psalm 63, same David. He writes, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Yes. God is better than life, being alive. How sad it is in our consumer-oriented society. The church became so cheapened in such a way we look for material things, we look for success in church as well, rather than God, who is better than life. 
Second reason, it brings glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I love John Piper's quote on this because he hits right, hits the nail on the right on the head when he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Westminster Catechism, question number one, what is the chief end of man? And the traditional answer goes like this. Chief end of, end of man is to glorify God. I grew up in Reformed Church, Presbyterian Church. I forgot the whole sentence. Stop there. Do you remember that? There's and, which means the whole thing is one. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's how Piper got this. To glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Thus, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So every morning when you get up and when you meet with the Lord, not doing homework, you open and God speaks to us when you connect. When you are delighted, delight yourself in the Lord, God is glorified. When you worship at your church, spirit and truth, your heart is worshiping, you're enjoying, oh, I am quenched, but I thirst for more. Because of the quench. And that glorifies God. When you're serving, working with the poor, and all of a sudden this, you have just sense of joy that comes from Jesus. And Jesus is pleased in, in, in us. God is glorified in that. Unless you think that it's all, all about just central spiritual things and religious activities. When you are enjoying your wife and your husband, when you are making love, and when you have so much joy in that, in, 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 in the center of God, the nucleus of God's will, God is glorified. Because God created sex, not Satan. But I'm not going to make you shout, sex is beautiful. <laughs> I've done this several times at this church. <laughs> Another reason is it is because tasting and in seeing the Lord is good is the key to real transformation. So once again, the shallow Christianity, shallow spirituality, it makes us numb in a status quo. No lack, and we're not thirsty. We have no need to get up and pray and get up and read the scripture. But listen to Lord Jesus himself in Revelation 
chapter 3, verse 15 through 19. I know your deeds, and you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were neither either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of mouth of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and solve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Imagine I'm telling you my problem. I don't have an appetite these days. I used to look forward to meal times. It's just cumbersome. That you wouldn't say, oh, that's just right. You will say, well, something wrong with your health. Some of you need to hear that. In your spiritual life, you have no appetite for the word of God. No appetite for prayer. No appetite for fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Something wrong with your spiritual health. Without fleshness of televangelists, we need to restore the vision of true revival in our churches don't we? Starting with our church. Just a deep desire and passion to restore that fire in us. And third and last, I'm going to suggest three ways from this text. How do we taste and see that the Lord is good? The first way and foremost way is acknowledge your brokenness and spiritual poverty. Verse 2, 6, 18. Do you notice this? It's paradoxical here. Someone who's shouting... Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We, one might think that, especially in American context, oh, he hit the jackpot. Maybe he got promotion. Maybe one of his kids went to Harvard. Maybe her mom has been healed from cancer. All these good things, right? But, you know, if you read through this psalm, the context itself also, this was the time that David was fleeing from 
King Saul. The King Saul was jealous and he was determined to kill David to get rid of any competition. So he had no place to go in Israel. So he went to enemy's territory, Philistines, and then asking for king of Gath, Achish. Can you take him in? But the soldiers saw David. That back then, when he killed a Goliath, he was a young boy, a young shepherd. Now he's grown, but they recognize him. So out of desperation, he drooled, faking that he's mad, drooled on his beard and acting. So he survived of that. That's the time he wrote this psalm. Not when he was on the top of hill conquering every, every land around him. So if you are going through some tough time, this invitation is for you. You are opportune time to taste and see that the Lord is really good. Look at this. Verses 2, 6, and 18. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be led. This poor man, referring to himself, cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his trouble. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the, the crushed in spirit. Just to clarify, I'm not talking about brokenness in terms of brokenness that becomes our way of dealing victimization, the victim mentality. But this is matter of our stubborn self-will being broken toward God. Stiff-necked eye Scripture used that language. When your neck is stiff, you will not bow. But because God loves us, he brings trial and difficult afflictions to break us down, that we surrender. That's the brokenness. The spiritual poverty is not because you've been alcoholic and oh, you, you did X, Y, and Z and you came back and that you are just spiritually bankrupt but one might think that oh I've been living as a Christian for two year, 20 years so I don't have a spiritual bankruptcy issue. That is the reason why our spiritual state is so mundane. I, we have nothing good in staying inside. Scripture says the reason why God, grace is available every day so that we could continually lean on him rather than ourselves. So some of you going through like this stage of you feel broken. Once again, good news is I think that's really grace. Disguised blessing 
And some of you who are, thinking my life is going well. I have no need of anything. You are in the danger zone right now. Number two, we could taste and see by seeking God with desperation and persistence. Verse 4, 6, 10, 12, 15, and 17. Look at these words. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This poor man cried, not have some good thoughts while he was driving. <coughs> and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his, all his trouble. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek, once again, the Lord lack no good thing. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. As Jimmy mentioned, since last year, June 2017, we came to realize that our church is existing in professional zone of Santa Ana City. P zones do not allow, P zones do not allow House of worship, they said. We're trying to apply for a conditional use permit. They would not even let us give us any application, let us submit anything. So there was a little bit of, I still remember there was our all church retreat time. We were wondering what we should do. There are different opinions. During leadership team meeting, after about a month later, we pray for unity. Then we decide, because of David's series that we've been doing, the guidance of, from the scripture is that we ought to wait on the Lord. It's a really kind of counterintuitive thing, isn't it? We decide to do nothing but prayer. Fasting and prayer chain, each of our members voluntarily sign up on the black breakfast or dinner or lunch spot, that one on five, six weeks. And then incredibly, the church became unified in that direction. Towards the end, we heard the news from the Department of Justice from all the way from Washington for our small little humble church moved in that we've been waiting for our next steps. The last Sunday, Irene said, it became public. This is incredible. City of Santa Ana posted this on their website. Let me read a one line. A recent de Department of Justice investigation into our zoning and land use practices pursuant to the religious la land use an institutionalized personal act known as ALUPA of 2000 has expedited, expedited 
the need to align the zoning code with federal law. Step is proposing to amend Chapter 41 of the Santa Ana Municipal Code to allow churches and accessory church buildings as a conditionally permitted use in the professional P zoning district. Hallelujah! Come on, make some noise, Crossway. When we seek the Lord, God delivers. Is, isn't, it, isn't it faith in increasing for us? I mean, I'm not going to do crazy things, but last Sunday, <laughs> I was jumping up and down. Our kids and youth were here, screaming at the top of my lung and jumping. But we, th we should remember this, don't we? I still remember the people who are gathering 7 o'clock Saturday in the morning. This is extra special because we know God answered prayer. But God would bring that news one week prior to our 10-year anniversary. Who denies the goodness of the Lord? Third and last, run to God with childlike trust and obedience. Grace doesn't mean it's cheap. Grace means you cannot marry. Grace also encourages us to be very active, to receive passively. Verse 5, 7, 9, 14, 22. Those who look to him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. These are all trust and obedience words, isn't it? And delivers them. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Turn away from evil and do good. And seek peace and pursue it. The Lord redeems the life of his first servants, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So another way of looking at our posture this year, and not only for Crossway and church members, but for those, all of you who are brothers and sisters in Christ, Relentless, childlike trust and obedience. Would you see that? Get rid of that cheap grace. Pay attention to your spiritual walk. Declare war against Satan. And trust and obey daily on small little things. A.W. Tozer wrote this book early 1900s, probably 20s and 30s, and I was 19 when I first read this, The Pursuit of God, his first chapter of prayer. It still gets to me. I still remember walking, wandering around, looking for, seeking God 
because of this prayer. I want to pray like this. I want our brothers and sisters in this room pray like this for the rest of 2018. Tozer writes, Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, so that I may know thee indeed. Begin in, begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise up and follow thee up from this misty, lowly land where I have wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is the vision in conclusion and summary? It looks like this. Taste and see is a vision of real transformation. In 2018, let's envision us to be a church or Christ followers, number one, that are broken, humble, contrite, and surrender, acknowledging our spiritual bankruptcy every day, especially those days that we feel like they're winning. We feel like nothing is lacking in our family. Number two, let's envision ourselves to seek God with relentless desperation and persistence. And thirdly, run to God with childlike trust and obedience. Then, only then, will we taste and see that the Lord is good indeed. My prayer for each one of us would experience the Lord firsthand, not from somebody else's taste this year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word as you have guided us over the past 10 years. Thank you for pointing the way this year that we will continually embrace our brokenness and glory in our poverty because you are rich and because you are the sovereign joy in our lives. And teach us to throw away cheap grace and become radical about our childlike trust and obedience every day. In Jesus' name, <coughs> amen.